Welcome to episode 7 of 21st Century Boys. This is Joe Crawford. And James Crawford. And we're going to take a pause and bring in Henry to uh, see what he's been up to lately. Hi, Henry. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Okay. So last time you were here, you were telling us about a couple of manga you were reading. It was JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and Pet. Yeah. Uh, so what are you reading right now? So right now I'm reading Tiny Titans. Okay. I know that one. That's a Balthazar and Franco book. Um, we've actually been to their store in Chicago, All Yeah Comics. Very cool. Do you remember that? You were pretty little. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what is Tiny Titans? Tiny Titans is basically about... Teen Titans, but the old kids. Okay. So they're a lot younger than they are in, like, Teen Titans Go. Yeah. And so it's got a bunch of different characters in it. And um, you were telling me Superboy and Supergirl are in it. Yeah. Okay. And so um, what else can you tell me about Tiny Titans? So Tiny Titans, they have a tea tower that's a treehouse. And also, they sometimes go to school and they have, like, a principal that's slayed. Their, their principal is Slade? Yes. That's pretty funny. Okay. Sometimes when they have a substitute teacher, it's Trigon. What? So, Raven's dad is their substitute? Yeah. That's pretty funny. So, what do you think is one of the funniest things that's happened in it? I don't know. Don't know? But is it a book like if a, a kid were to say, hey, what you're reading, is that any good? Would you tell him yes? I'll probably tell them yes if they like like superheroes. Sure. Well, very cool. Who is your favorite superhero right now? My favorite superhero right now is Martian Manhunter. Nice. Martian Manhunter was one of the first action figures I owned when I was a little kid. And also in Tiny Titans, there's Miss Martian. Very cool. And Miss Martian's related to Martian Manhunter, right? Yeah, it's like his kid, I'm pretty sure. Oh, very cool. Is there anything else you want to tell us about Tiny Titans? I think that's all. Well, thanks for coming by tonight. Bye. I go first, you go first, we go first. I go first today with Jujutsu Kaisen, Volume 11 and 12. I'm going to butcher the name, Gege Akutami. So on the back matter of the books, it says, To gain the power he needs to save his friend from a cursed spirit, Yuji Itadori swallows a piece of a demon only to find himself caught in the midst of a horrific war of the supernatural. In a world where cursed spirits feed on unsuspecting humans, fragments of the legendary and feared demon Sukuna were lost and scattered about. Should any demon consume Sukuna's body parts, the power they gain could destroy the world as we know it. Fortunately, there exists a supernatural school of sorcerers who exist to protect the precarious existence of the living from the supernatural. So, where are we at in this one? In this one, the incident in Shibuya has become dire, where Toji Zanin reappears. Meanwhile, Meimei confronts the traitorous Ghetto on a subway platform, and Nanami's furious over the casualties suffered by the assistant managers. Then more grade one sorcerers enter the fray as Itadori fights the eldest death painting womb brother Chozo. So the paint, uh, paint, death painting womb brothers, there was uh, three of them. We saw them in previous volumes and uh, they got killed off. Anyway, so I've watched the first season of Jujutsu Kaisen and read the first couple of volumes, but I hadn't read any until the current one, which was number uh, 11 and 12. Nice thing, even though I was a little bit lost, I pretty much found my groove right away. I had, uh, like I said, watched the entire show, so I wasn't very far off from where the show ended and where it was picking up. It's got some really nice scratchy art and uh, good character designs. 
Curses seem to finally have the upper hand in this volume, but Itadori and the rest of the Exorcist are getting a plan together to free the civilians and Gojo, who's been captured. I really enjoy this one. The fact that I was basically able to jump right in, uh, even though it had been a while, made it super appealing to me as well. So if you want to purchase it, it's $9.99 from Viz, or you can read the chapters or the entire manga uh, that's out so far on the Shonen Jump app. Once again, $1.99 a month, the best bargain in comics. Jack, what you got up? One uh, comic I recently read was Batmite. Uh, it is about the side character from Batman, Batmite. He gets adopted by a family because nobody wants it. <laughs> it's pretty weird. I remember I read it when it was originally coming out. Right. And I didn't remember, like, anything about it. I remember picking up one I couldn't tell you anything about. Other, And it was like a... It was It's like around the New 52 era when it, they were rebooting everything. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty... All right, but it does it aged a little bit poorly compared to a lot of other DC comics. Sure, uh, and it's not as funny as I remember. <laughs> I would recommend for something in similar vein, but executed like ten times better. Bizarro. Okay. Or that comic is fantastic. And I think that came out about the same time. Yeah, as about well. the same time. Okay, cool. Uh, with Halloween upcoming, I've been working on the EC archives. Uh, this go round, I read the Vault of Horror number one. And that covers issue 12 through 17. Legendary publisher Bill Gaines provided the form and creators like Al Feldstein, Johnny Craig, Wally Wood, Harry Harrison, Jack Kamen, Harvey Kurtzman, Graham Ingalls, and Jack Davis provide the mayhem. Six full issues and 24 complete stories are in this full-color deluxe volume. This is a really good one. I especially enjoyed the story of the landlord who turned his refrigerator into a meat locker, and what happened to him? Why did he need to be so cold? You'll have to read it and find out. It's a good issue. Voodoos and werewolves abound in this one. Definitely worth picking up this the month of October for the shockingly low price of $19.99 from Dark Horse, and that is for the paperback. This is in hardcover, much more expensive. I think they they usually run about $50, but they're uh, reprinting those early volumes in tw- for 20 bucks from Dark Horse. Very good. Worth the money. Okay. Another one I recently read was PPPPPPP, Six P's. It is a manga about a kid that doesn't know anything about playing piano. Okay. But that was like the family's wish for him to become like a good pianist, and his mother is dying, so he tries to get good at it. It's about like learning and stuff. And for some reason, the first couple of chapters, well, it's only three chapters long okay. so far, but there was just some parts where it's not even like a comedy manga, but when it tries to be funny, it's really funny. Well, that's good. And I really do enjoy it. If It's just three chapters, so check it out. So And, and yeah. so it's like a mix of dramatic and funny. Yeah. Well, I definitely, <laughs> title aside... <laughs> That went through me. Uh, one that I think we both read. Uh, I got it through volume five of this one. And that's uh, Knights of Sidonia. And I actually wrote out his name phonetically so I won't butcher it. Because he's going to come up a lot in this one. Sutomu Nihei. And he wrote several very popular manga. And the first one we'll be talking about is Knights of Sidonia. Uh, so in the year 3394, a thousand years after mankind has fled from Earth... One of the ships that fled this Earth is the ship Sidonia. Aliens that destroyed Earth are called the Ghana. They are mecha-sized aliens, and they're covered in this, like, fleshy substance. The remaining humans have kept much of the culture, but they've also mastered some things that you wouldn't think of being in human society, like asexual reproduction, genetic engineering, and cloning. 
the average person also can actually photosynthesize food. So there are those who also seem to be immortal in, this, in the society. I don't think we've super got into that yet so far because, like I say, we're about five volumes in. But as I've said, the Sidonia is the last known ship. So the fate of all but 500,000 humans is unknown. And they have these large mecha called guards. And basically everyone uh, who can pilot one of these is trained to pilot them from a very young age. So the main character is this fellow. His name's Nagate Tanakazi. He's been living underground in the Sidonia with his grandfather his entire life. So when his grandfather dies, he goes up and joins the surface. And this book follows his adventures as he becomes a pilot. And it's very classic, you know, I don't want to fly the Mecca kind of thing. But, you know, if you've read anything like Gundam or Neon Genesis, the story's not super different, but it's told very differently. Because this is kind of a weird book. So, it, like I say, it mixes these classic tropes about Mecha while it's also kind of poking fun of it. So, Nagate is unable to photosynthesize, which causes hilarity because uh, he goes day to day through learning things that he's never known, like safety features. So, there's like this one point where he's supposed to like hook onto the side of the ship and he mm -hmm. does it so he knocks the crap out of him because they all have to like hook to the ship to deal with gravity. I didn't like it at first. I feel like it kind of picked up midway through about volume two. And um, the heroes get stranded away from the ship. And I really started to get interested in it then. So what have you been thinking of it? Uh, It's pretty confusing. It is kind of Like synopsis, I wouldn't be able to tell you like any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I thought it was funny though. Like It's just like really serious. And then randomly they'll be like doing the funniest like crap ever. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's pretty weird. It is really weird. It's one of the weirdest manga I've ever read. And um, this is probably one of his most famous ones outside of uh, Blam, uh, because this got made into a really popular anime that's yeah. on Netflix. But um, I'll just say this about it. The art's really nice. He's got really good use of the black and whites. Uh, the, he really knows how to use space. Um, that'll come in again when we talk about another one of his series, the way he uses space. This one particularly in the dark inks, and then the one coming up, it's more like in the whites and the dead space. So the volumes we've been reading are from the library. Mm -hmm. uh, they're about twelve ninety five if you are interested, and they're put out by Vertical. And it looks like they're also collected in larger editions as well. I think it's worth a look, and I'll probably ride it out for a little bit longer. Yeah. So what you got next? Uh, the next one we've read by the same author is Apo Sims. Yeah, I got some thoughts on that one too. Let's hear what you got, buddy. Uh, I really like the art. It's like it's very like there's like no color, like barely right. any inking, so it makes it all look very snowy, and it looks really cool. Uh, the plot is like kind of confusing again. The author makes pretty confusing stuff, but I do, I did enjoy it. Dad probably has the synopsis because he like. Went deeper in it. So. Yeah, I do have the synopsis. So these, this actually ties in with Knights of Sidonia. So this is the same timeline. Yeah. So this is what happened to some of the other humans who didn't up, end up on the Sidonia. They ended up on this frigid planet called Aposims. So um, basically it, you jump in and you meet all these people who immediately down to like one get killed off. Yeah. So it really throws you for the loop right away. And it's a very desolate planet. And it's controlled by these weird people who basically are like miniature versions of the placentas that you deal with in Knights of Sidonia. Mm -hmm. 
it's really bizarre and they have this disease called frame disease and it's slowly turning them into i don't know robots or androids or something yes. it's like android zombies so it's really weird i'm not sure i'm following this one but like uh jack was saying the artwork is gorgeous the design work is really cool it's got some crazy body horror that i like uh once again these are 12.95 from mm-hmm. vertical mm-hmm. yeah um, so the next comic I read was Bloodshot Reborn, and this is volume, I think, two by Jeff Lemire and Butch Geis. It's called The Hunt, and this covers issues six through nine. So Bloodshot is on the hunt. He's determined to stop the violent reign of terror that plagues Colorado. Bloodshot is journeying across the Rocky Mountains to destroy the remaining nanites that have caused mass murderers to spring up across the state. But will the drugs, booze, and insane visions rattling around his head put an end to his journey before it begins? No, it, it won't. Um, anyway, Bloodshot is trying to hunt down his remaining nanites and magic. This is basically going to become his love interest as along for the ride. Ray slash Bloodshot has a few will-they-won't-they they moments with magic. Problem is, the Phibbies are looking for them as well, and there's another Bloodshot carrier who's running around killing folks and taking their nanites, and that kind of leads to a three-way confrontation. Valiant, for me, this is like when Valiant was at their best for me. Um, it's got nice mystery, really great art from Butch Guys. I uh, picked this one up on the cheap from local used store, and now I really actually want to track down the rest of this run. It looks like it's four volumes uh, for the Bloodshot Reborn. Uh, retails for $14.99 for Valiant, and I would recommend this one. Okay. Next one, I'm going to just knock out all the stuff by the author. Next one is Biomega. Biomega is about, there's this, like, virus that's going all around. It's turning people into zombies. So there's one guy that is trying to track the person who made the virus down to get rid of them and also get rid of all the zombies. Uh, I really enjoyed it. There's a bear, and it's a funny bear. Uh, and it probably was the easiest to like understand and track, and it's probably the work I enjoyed the most. By so it's like the most straightforward plot and everything. Yeah, probably. I hadn't really read this one. That's one I started, and I've already lost track because, like I said, we were reading a lot of his stuff, so mm-hmm. I totally forgot where I'm at with it. So I'll have to pick that one up later. Yeah. Uh, Finishing off uh, one of the my favorite mangas of recent time, BL Metamorphosis, story and art by Kaori Surutani. Uh, red volume is four and five. So basically, the the idea of it is there's a 75 year old woman. She's living a peaceful life. She accidentally buys a boys love manga one day, and she's fascinated by uh, what she finds inside of it. When she returns to the bookstore to buy the next one, the high school girl working there, her name's Urara. She's a seasoned BL fan, notices a budding fangirl when she sees one. So, Aurora offers to help her explore the whole new world of fiction, dive into BL fandom together, and form an unlikely friendship along the way. This is like one of the sweetest books ever written. I'll just say that right now. It's about a friendship between an older person and a younger person, and it's, it's just wonderful. In this volume, the two of them decide to make their own BL manga and sell it at a comic Kamatishia? I don't know how you pronounce that. It's basically kind of like doujinshi, doujinshi, so it's self-made fan mangas, mm-hmm. and they're selling it on their own. So uh, Uraraz is struggling with drawing and getting the book ready while she's also trying to stay for exams. While all this is going on, the manga that drew them together is winding down, and we spend some time with the mangaka who actually created it. 
I just I just love this series so much. It only ran five volumes. It's complete. You can read the whole thing now. And the relationship between the two generations of women is great. And it shows, you know, just common ground like comics can really bring us together. It's uh, $13.99 a volume from Seven Seas. And like I said, there's five of them. You can also get it from the library. And I super, super recommend this one. Really good stuff. Okay, on an exact contrasting tone, I have happiness. Happiness is about this one kid, and he's going home from school, and a vampire girl, like, gets him and bites him, and he goes to the hospital and turns into a vampire. He does? Yeah, he, okay. the kid turns into a vampire. Uh, so, at school, he's, he keeps trying to, like, want blood, but he has to resist. And eventually, though, by, like, using it to, like, attack enemies and stuff and do wacky scenarios... Uh, he gets more friends, and it's about, like, building relationships. But then at the end of Volume 2, some messed up stuff happens. Well, don't, don't spoil it. Yeah, I would say it's made by the same person who made Blood on the Tracks and Flowers of Evil. Right, if and you, you really like Flowers of Evil. If you dislike Blood on the Tracks for some of the stuff they did, you'll probably hate <laughs> this manga. You'll probably despise it, but it is very well written, very well illustrated. Oh, he's a, he's a great artist. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about his taste all the time. <laughs> but, um, okay, here's one we did together, um, Vinland Saga. I think I've only read book one. Have you gotten yeah, past that I've one? Yeah, i okay. So we've read book one of Vinland Saga. That's Makoto Yukimori. As a child, Thorfinn sat at the feet of the great Leif Erikson and thrilled to wild tales of a land far to the west. But his youthful fantasies were shattered by a mercenary raid. Raised by the Vikings who murdered his family, Thorfinn became a terrifying warrior, forever seeking to kill the band's leader, Askeladd, and avenge his father. Sustaining Thorfinn throughout the ordeal are his pride in his family and his dreams of a fertile westward land, a land without war or slavery, the land Leif called Finland. Uh, so it really kicks off in a full gear. Like, um, they don't even mess with backstory right away. Uh, there's a Viking invasion that uh, they're aiding with. It sets up the main character Thorfinn and Haskellad. Then we get the flashback to Thorfinn's youth and his father Thor's and how he's not a typical Viking. Thor's was, you know, a, kind of a, a man on the run. Yeah. And he has a very ethical stance and for how he leads his life and he was basically trying to protect this slave and when he wasn't able to protect the slave it kind of got him drugged back into being a fighting warrior so the the table set for for the future volumes we we now know why you know thorfinn is angry uh why he has problems with Askeladd, and i don't know i just thought it was a really great start to this one this is one i'm really excited to read more volumes of we got these from the library. Uh, comes out from Kadansha as well. It looks like they run about 20 bucks. I really liked it. What about you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it has a lot of potential from what I've read. The pacing was great. I really like the execution. I do recommend from what I've read so far. Yeah, Yeah, I thought the artwork was really strong, too, for the whole Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, yeah. Well, cool. What you got next? Uh, the next one I have is Hell's Paradise. Hell's Paradise is a Sig manga is that does that have like a seinen it's like sig biz something oh gotcha okay. yeah uh it's a it seems like it's like on the edge of being something from shonen jump basically right it's about uh 
So it, Viz Signature, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's about these, like, assassin people who, like, are on trial, and they're basically, like, killing each other. It's like a last man standing, but they're in teams, and they're also just going through other, like, uh, problems and stuff, like other monsters coming at them and stuff. And uh, the main character is this, like, assassin who only did it to get, like, money and stuff. But he, he, his motive, well, he doesn't try to really kill people unless they're trying to kill him. And that's a lot different from, like, all the other characters right. who are there. It's a real, real interesting, and I think it has a lot of potential. I read the first two, and I really enjoyed it. I think that's all that's out right now. At least that's all that we had at the library, because yeah. I grabbed what they had. So there might be maybe one other volume out. So. Yeah. Well, cool. That's one I want to get around to reading. Mm-hmm. One I just read um, was uh, Chainsaw Man, and we read, or at least I read, volumes uh, 6 and 7. So, uh, I don't know if we've talked about Chainsaw Man on the show before. Yeah, we have a couple okay. times. So, basically, you know the premise. You know, Chainsaw Dog, Brook Kid equals Chainsaw Man. Mm-hmm. Uh so we'll skip that the basic summation of the the manga like I usually do on these for ones we've already talked about. But anyway, so where we left off, there's a new girl named Reese, and she's shown up and swept innocent Dingy right off his feet. But is Reese exactly what she seems? Uh, no. Is Dingy about to find happening happiness once and for all? Uh, no. And prepare for the storm of all storms when Chainsaw Man looks for true love. And also. Because of this, Denji has gotten too famous. After a news program has broadcast Chainsaw Man's heroics, the whole world now wants in on the action. Can Denji's new protection detail keep him safe from all of the talented assassins that have assembled in Japan to take him down, including Santa Claus? That was a cool one. I was not expecting that. Um, So have you ever known someone who always seems to be liking the wrong person and always has bad stuff happen to them and they just can't catch a break? Well, that is dingy to a T in this one. Once again, the person who has caught dingy's eye is not good for him. We start the first volume with dingy finally about to hook up with the girl of his dreams. Things turn south and really violent very quickly. But hey, we get to see Chainsaw Man riding a shark, which is really cool. Uh, Chainsaw, as I mentioned, is going to get outed by the media during the battle, and now dingy is wanted the world over. It's really good hyper-violence, just as the per-usual from this, and some really twisted transformations. I say, if you haven't started the series, subscribe to Shonen Jump, because you're not going to find the early volumes in the stores right now. Yeah. Pretty much, other than the last two, they're really getting harder and harder to find. Or check your library. Maybe yeah. your library carries it. Um, that said, runs nine 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 if you're lucky enough to find it, or... Read it on the app. What did you think of the last uh, few chapters of Chainsaw Man? I really enjoyed them. When I was originally reading it, I was reading it pretty fast, so there were a bunch of things I missed. So sure. I was unsure like if it got better or if it got worse at certain points. But yeah, throughout the whole thing, it gets better and better, and it's really good. I definitely yeah. recommend it. Yeah, yeah, I think the Reese stuff is where it's really starting to hit his stride, where he's about to have the whole showdown. And I don't want to get too spoilery. But the showdown post is where it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And it's just so good. So, So, yeah, I would definitely say get on on Chainsaw Man. Two bucks a month. All right, Jack. Okay. Another just random read I read because it was on Shonen Jump is Kuyo Won't Let Me Be Invisible. Kuyo Won't Let Me Be Invisible is about this person who, like is like pretty unknown like he's just kind of there but nobody notices him but this popular girl does and she kind of like tries to get him like embarrassed and stuff and it's like 
it's pretty, you can barely read any of it on that because it's just the first six chapters and then the newest runs from like 57 to 50 oh that's 60, horrible like I hate eight. when they do that it, so I don't really have much to say I mean it's a fine read okay yeah. well you know like I say if it's when you stumble across would you say read it then I mean, I guess. There's only six chapters. <laughs> there you go. Nice and short. Um, Dragon Ball Super, Volumes 10 and 11. Story by Akira Toriyama and art by Toyo Taru. And uh, this basically covers, if you're reading on the app, chapters 45 through 52. So the Tournament of Power is over, and Goku and Vegeta have embarked on a new adventure in space. The Galactic Patrol experiences its worst prison break ever, and the evil Moro, a planet-eating monster who kind of looks like a goat, escapes. Moro's goal is attaining the Dragon Balls of Nunamic, and it's up to Goku, Vegeta, and the Galactic Patrol to stop him. But how can they do anything when Moro can drain them of their energy just by being near them? So this big bad uh, Moro is this goat-headed fellow who can drain energy, and just... When you go, how can they come up with a new villain for Vegeta and Goku? Because, I mean, every time we see Vegeta and Goku, they've got new power-ups. They're just getting stronger and stronger, and there's a new level. They're Saiyan Blue, they're Saiyan Red, they're Super Saiyan, they're Super Saiyan God. You know, how are they going to do it? Bam, they do. So, with the fact that he's basically someone who can drain energy, you've got a whole new twist on it. So, like, if Goku goes Super Saiyan, Maru sucks it out, and they're not Super Saiyan anymore. So, or, it's just good stuff. There's some nice moments with Jacko, and he's kind of goofy. I love the bit where he's like, what do you mean pants? I've never been wearing pants. So the idea that Jacko's been running around pantsless this entire time is pretty funny. Uh, one nice feature in, the, I think it's the second volume of the two, Moro frees an entire prison, which leads to the villains getting away. I really like these volumes. The cliffhanger in number 10 made me immediately go by volume 11, and now I'm going to be looking for 12 pretty soon as well. So... 999 from Viz, or check it out on the app. If you enjoy the manga, or the TV series, or just Goku in general, or silly superheroic craziness, you should be reading Dragon Ball Super. It's good stuff. Another manga I have read recently is Neru, Way of the Martial Artist. This is a newer one in Shonen Jump with 13 chapters. It is like just Naruto, but with martial arts instead. And I do think it has the potential to get popular. I don't really have much else to say because I've only read like three chapters. But it does. it's hard to get a feel though. Yeah, because that's not even a volume's worth. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but yeah, it does seem like it could become the next big thing. So okay. I do recommend checking. Well, it's always interesting to get a jump on what's going to be the next thing. Because man, I tell you, if you don't get these volume ones when they come out, you just about better forget it till like volume two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mermaid Saga Volume 1 and 2 by Rumiko Takahashi. And this is one that I got interested in because a friend of mine, Paul, and I have been talking back and forth on Twitter about it because Manga Splaining covered it uh, in their Season 1. So, what's it about? They say if one consumes mermaid flesh, one can attain immortality. Unfortunately, the more likely results include becoming horribly deformed or turning into a vicious monster. Even if one were to gain eternal life, how is such an anomaly a lucky blessing, or is it a terrible curse? So, Yuta becomes immortal when he unwittingly ate mermaid flesh, and now he seeks to, a way to become human again. Hundreds of years later, he encounters a volatile and determined young lady named Mana while searching for a mermaid. 
Could this mysterious woman hold the key to saving Yuta's humanity? Man, I just want to say this is a great series. A series is made up of, you know, two to four chapter stories that bounce around in the life of Yuta, the man who ate the mermaid's flesh. Each story is self-contained, and it's also episodic. So each story, Yuta is trying to find a way to no longer be immortal, and the antagonist of each story is trying to find a way to live forever. So basically, mm-hmm. that's where the butting heads is coming from. Yuta wants to die. Somebody else wants to live, so they're going to eat rotting, disgusting mermaid fleshes. It's really gross. I can't believe people want to do that. Uh, I, that said, it's Rumika Takahashi. It's absolutely gorgeous. I really love this one. Volumes are not cheap, though. Um, they are twenty four ninety nine from Viz, but regardless... Read it from the library or check it out. Highly recommended. What a Wonderful World is a manga written by Ineo Asano, who I've already talked about a bunch. I really like his work. This one was pretty good, but from what I've seen, Volume 2 is where the highlights really start, and I've only read Volume 1 because that's all that's available at the library. Well, we'll have Uh, to jump on and see if we can borrow Volume 2 somehow. mm -hmm. Uh, it's about, it's just, like, a bunch of, like, side stories, but, like, they're all combined with, like, people related to each other, and I think it's gonna, like, all combine at the end. Uh, it's just about a bunch of people just, like, living their lives, and, like, their thoughts and their heads and just stuff that's going on. It, I haven't, it wasn't very notable from what I've read compared to a lot of his other work. True. But if you like stuff like Good Night Poom Poom, give it a read, and you might enjoy it. Okay. Um, so, I'll talk about one that maybe I'm not really so keen on. Uh, I had pre-ordered up through Volume 3 of this one, Call of the Night, Volume 3 by Kodayama. So, this is the one with the vampire storyline. So, on a sleepless night, Ko slips out to walk the streets. Life after dark is a revelation, especially when he meets flirtatious Nazuna. Except when... She's a van- except that she's a vampire, but that's okay. He wants to become a creature of the night, too. But transformation like that doesn't come easily. So in this one, they meet up with a whole gang of vampires, and I don't know. This is just one that's not really for me. Uh, he's trying to find love. She's trying to have a good time. This is written for a younger audience and not a 48-year-old man. I think I'm 48 now. I don't even remember how long. Let me just say, once you hit a certain age, you don't remember how old you are. Anyway, so I'm bouncing off this one. It's 999 from Viz. Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Another one I read by Ineo Asano is Downfall. Uh, Downfall is about the actual author of like, the one. works, Ineo Asano. And it's about like how manga has corrupted his life. Like It's messing up his marriage. It, it's stressing him out. And um, making him have some dark thoughts. It is a lot nicer than a lot of his other works, but if you do like his work, I highly recommend it. It's very well written, very well illustrated, very good. I'm not going to say much about it because I don't want to spoil it. Well, I've read that one. I actually bought that one. That's the first thing and only thing, actually, to this point I've read by him. and It, it is. It's brilliant. Uh, if you want to see what kind of life a mangaka lives, uh, definitely check it out. Downfall. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Die Dark. Volume 2 by Q Hayashida. And this is the same mangaka who does Dorohedoro, which is fabulous. So, Zaha Sanko's body has great and terrible powers. They say that possessing his bones will grant you any wish, even the desire to become a ruler of the universe. But Sanko is still a teenage dude with his own life. And he isn't about to let some monstrous lowlife in the galaxy rip him limb from limb. 
He and his skeletal buddy, literally, it's a skeleton he's strapped to his back, Avakian will use their dark powers to fend off any murder attempts while they search space for whoever this curse, who put this curse on Sanko's bones because killing them might end the madness. This series is bleeping crazy. Body horror galore. Uh, I, I don't know. It's got the, if, if you've seen Dora Hedora and you liked it, you're going to like this maybe even more. Sanko travels with the skeleton uh, of Robot Dog and the living embodiment of death. And the first chapter has them shopping at the superstore of the future. Kind of imagine like what Sam's is going to be in like 300 years. Drones carry everything. Pack your spaceship. This has just got great art. Crazy stuff going on from beginning to the end. $13.99 from Seven Seas. I highly recommend getting on this one. Die Dark. D-A-I-D-A-R-K. Another manga I've read by Ennio Asano is Dead Dead Demons DDDD Destruction. Is that enough D's? Sure, yeah. <laughs> Dead Dead Demons DDD Destruction is about a bunch of uh, two schoolgirls just living their lives like normal after a spaceship comes and like is basically destroying the world. Uh, from what I've read, I really enjoyed it. It's only one volume. And it seems a, light, a lot lighthearted compared to other Ennio Asana works. But from what I've heard, that does not last long. Okay. The art style is amazing. It's like a combination of his normal stuff and just a bunch of other popular manga like Doraemon and stuff. It's very charming, and I highly recommend this. Well, cool. That's one um, we just ordered volume two for you? Yeah. Oh, cool. We'll have to check that one out. Uh, so we can talk th about this one as much as you want. I honestly don't remember what volumes I have read because I quit keeping count. I have read up through the current uh, published in English volume of Berserk, which was volume 40. I don't remember where we left off on the show. So instead, what I was going to do is I am going to talk a little bit about the guidebook, and then I'm going to kick it over to Jack, and he can talk as much or as little about Berserk with me as he would like. Mm -hmm. So I got the guidebook by uh, Kentaro Mura, and this is just awesome. This is one of those things, if you're like me, I was raised on Ohatmu, the official Marvel guide, and who's who. These kind of things are just awesome to me. So I really like to really popular mangas mm -hmm. seem to get character guides, and this one is a really good one. So Berserk has conquered the worlds of manga and anime, and now comes the essential roadmap to the sprawling Berserk universe, exploring the characters, creatures, settings, and stories of the first 38 volumes. And like I said, they've only translated 40 so far. So this is going to give you most of the series. Has dense illustrations and never-before-seen art, including an eight-page color section, and author notes by Kentaro. The official guidebook is a comprehensive tour through the epic adventure, shocking horror, and graveyard humor that can only be Berserk. And this is literally just a beautiful guidebook. It gives a breakdown to everything in the Berserk universe. After I finished the 40 volumes of the series, it was nice to sit down with this because it kind of summed up all the history and all the characters. And sometimes he'll have these huge chunks of quiet where there's no dialogue but it's just action scene action scene action scene and sometimes you know you get so caught up you start reading it so fast because there's no words that i actually miss some stuff so it was nice to have the guidebook and go back revisit some of the stuff and then you know either stuff i never caught or just a refresher of, of this stuff 
so mileage may vary on you uh, for this one, but I I really enjoy this kind of thing. So and it's uh, fourteen ninety nine from Dark Horse. Also has a really nice interview with the author who's sadly no longer with us. So Jack, did you want to talk a little bit about this? Sure. Yeah, I finished until like volume twenty, and I'm gonna eventually get to the rest. There's just a bunch of other manga I've been reading. Sure. I would say there are multiple like arcs and. It, I ended, like, or after the Golden Age, which is, like, the end of, like, all the past stuff with the right. and stuff. I would say the peak, from what I've read, is the end of the Golden Age, and it kind of gets a little bit slower, but it is still, like, really good. Well, let me just tell you, I'm not going to spoil anything, but this. The artwork gets more beautiful and more beautiful as it goes. He was always great character design but by the end the characters are like the most beautiful Arthur Adams pictures you've ever seen it's just it gets so pretty and it's such a good book and it literally to me I think gets better and better as it went along okay all right you got another one uh no okay well I got two more I'll, I'll try to not take too much time with them these are some good old American comics that I read in the last couple of days I thought it was a little manga heavy, and I was like, "Ooh, I should try to try to read some of, of the stuff that's been shitting on my shelf," and uh, something I picked up from the library. So the first one we're going to talk about is Thor: Prey, which is Volume Two by Donny Cates, Aaron Cooter, Nick Klein, and Matthew Wilson. This covers issues seven through fourteen of the current Donny Cates run. So Back Matter says something is wrong with Mjolnir, and this is a poor time for the all-new father of Asgard to lose his primary weapon. The Golden City is in chaos after Galactus's ill-timed visit, and new threats loom on the horizon. Thor needs his hammer now more than ever before, and yet the Eru grows heavier with each passing day. What will it take for the God of Thunder to hold on to one of the most powerful weapons in the multiverse? Perhaps the answer lies in Broxton, Oklahoma, and the former home of Asgard, where right now everyone gets a hammer. The mighty mallet of Thor is free for the taking. No worthiness required. You get a Mjolnir. You get a Mjolnir. You get it. You know, like the whole Oprah thing. Yeah. Uh, Thor decides the best way to fix Mjolnir is to restart it. Turns out this is a really crappy decision. By doing this, he unleashes Donald Blake from a Pleasantville gone to hell existence. And Thor is banished to an underworld. Uh, Blake's totally lost it. He proceeds to attack all those who Odin had given the power of Thor to. Beta Ray Bill... Uh, Jane Foster, Throg, etc. This was actually really fun. It was really clever how they decided to deal with what would Donald Blake be like if he'd been stuck in Utopia for basically for for I don't know. I don't remember the last time we saw Donald Blake. 30 years ago something. So my favorite scene in uh, Lockjaw and Throg go toe-to-toe with Donald Blake. So literally you get to see little Thor Frog in like these huge blow-up panels it was really awesome so i think fans of donning cates and thor should definitely pick this one up it was not super cheap but it does cover eight issues and it's 24.99 from marvel and the last thing i'll talk about today is once in future i picked this one up from the library and i've been reading this as it comes out from the library this is volume three by karen gillen dan mora and tamra bonville Although the monsters of Beowulf may have been defeated, the convergence of stories means the tether between our world and the other world grows dangerously thin. Determined to stay one step ahead of Arthur and Merlin's plans, Bridget and Duncan start with what they know, tracking down the last connection Mimu had, the nationalist she used to resurrect Arthur and Lancelot. 
But finding the legendary knight may not be enough. Merlin has found his last piece of the puzzle, and it goes all the way up to the highest reaches of British government. In order to prevent more chaos, Bridget, Duncan, and Rose must fight harder than ever to keep things secret. But it's a modern era, and secrets never stay hidden very long. So I really like this take on Arthurian legends. What you believe may not be what is. A hero for the Britons, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago is not what we need in the world today. I continue to really enjoy the series, and I always look forward for the next volume. It's actually gotten so good, I'm at the point where I'm probably going to just start picking up issues because I am impatient. I did get this one from the library, but honestly, it's one if I ever saw in a used bookstore. I would happily add this to my collection. It has great art, has great action storytelling, and it's $16.99 from Boom Studios. So, that's where we are today. We had a little bit more than normal because we were a week behind because we had some family things that we did last week. Is there anything else before we get to the thank yous you wanted to talk about, Jack? I don't believe so. Okay. So, uh, real quick, I'd like to give a shout-out to everyone who liked or retweeted our last episode or basically just gave like a kind of like, hey, check this out to us. We really do appreciate it. So, Nick Whatmore, Max Reads Comics, Weird Warrior Pod, Trucker Talk, Benjamin Fife, my buddy Kirk Spencer, another buddy Professor Frenzy, and his pal Chris from Bat Books for Beginners. Thanks for the shout-out on the show, guys. Felicity Riverez. Paul Bowler, Cecilia Moore, Lucretia, Chris from Mythmaking ETC, Jason Kim, Professor Allen and the Relatively Geeky Podcast, Overmanga Cast, Jerry Hyde, Coffee and Comics, and Luke Hollywood from Weird Science Manga. So thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate the fact that you guys are listening to us. I really just wanted to start the show as to have something that me and Jack could do together and a way for us to hang out and bond over comics. And the fact that anybody has listened to it, I just find it pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully sound quality is okay this week. We have tried a new microphone setup, so we'll see how that goes. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at Twitter at 21STS... I always mess this up. 21STCENBOYS, 21st Sin Boys. I'm at I was Joe, And I'm at in garlic. And good night, everybody, and just keep reading. Yep.